What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm Justin Michael. We've got a really, really fun episode today. Izzy Matthews came on the podcast. We talked for about an hour, really about all kinds of stuff. I mean, the Mike Bobo era as a whole, his opinions on, you know, some of the allegations, kind of what went wrong, you know, why they weren't able to take the next step, that kind of stuff. I mean, it wasn't all down. We actually had a really fun time. Talked about the good stuff as well, obviously, but one of the best interviews I've ever had on this podcast, just being honest. I know I've said that before, and I'll say it again because I get some really fun people on this podcast, but Izzy was really, really great, really, really into the interview. It was just a blast to catch up with him. He was always one of my favorite people to interview, you know, when he played, so it was just good to catch up with him again. Before we get into that interview, Guys, it's stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what we're talking about. The housing market in Colorado, it's crazy. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process for you. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Listen up, because right now they've got a fun perk for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia are proud DNVR members themselves. They're CSU alumni, and they work nights and weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. Again, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Or give my guy Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or you can always visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right. Joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage, we've got a special guest, Izzy Matthews, Colorado State alum, scored the first touchdown in the on-campus stadium. It's always going to be a, a member of Rams trivia. You're, you're going to be the answer to a question <laughs> forever. Izzy, that is, that is one up, of my man? favorite things. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's cool scoring it, but like, you know that one day, like 20 years down the road, it's going to ask a question of like, you know, who scored the first touchdown in the stadium? And, like, the idea that it's going to be me is honestly the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and, like, when they look up the, the video online, it, it's, like, a cool shot. Like, the you know, you score and then you celebrate. The crowd's absolutely stacked. It's a gorgeous day. Like, that was just a fun day in general. That was one of the craziest days ever. Um, funny thing about the celebration for that is the day before the game, you know, I mean, all my friends were hanging out probably two days before because we were with the team. But he was like, Izzy, like, what are you going to do if you celebrate? And I was like, I don't normally celebrate touchdowns. I have no idea. And he asked me specifically, my friend Joe, and he was like, can you please do the John Wall? And I was like, (laughs) all right, why not? Yeah, we'll do the John Wall for the celebration. So I ended up scoring it. It was funny. Wasn't supposed to happen. I wasn't supposed to score that. It was supposed to be Dalen. But I go in and I was like, yeah, why not? Hit the John Wall. You never get the first touchdown in the stadium, but a lot in your life. So we'll celebrate it. Where does that game rank in terms of some of your favorite like Colorado State memories? Like in like the Mount Rushmore of Izzy Matthew moments at CSU, is that number one? Um, it's gotta be top three for sure. Uh, I don't know if you can really beat the last game at Hughes. 
Like, yes, the oh, first yeah, game that's, that's, that's exciting. But that last game at Hughes Stadium, like, when you talk about, like, something special, that was something special. It wasn't a big opponent. wasn't anything. It's still a packed house. Everyone on the field after, like, you can't beat that kind of moment. It was cold that night, too. So it was impressive to see the type of crowd that was there for it. <laughs> I mean, you can't. how could you not be there for it? Like, that's like that's true. anyone that could was going to be there for that game. And it ended up being a phenomenal game for running backs. Like, that was like one of my favorite games at CSU of all time. I think, didn't you, Marvin, and Dalen all score in that game? All three scored and rushed for 100 plus yards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was a fun. That and that New Mexico team was actually pretty decent. They had that uh, Apodaca quarterback. They were slinging mm-hmm. it a little bit. That is the one thing I can say. We're not going to talk about uh, records against rivals, but never lost to New Mexico. Four and zero against New Mexico. That did happen. It was a point. <laughs> it is wild that CSU's beat them like ten times in a row. Just. That's like a statistical anomaly. I mean, conference teams, they just, they don't beat each other. Well, I guess Boise was. I was going to say, you're going to count Boise as a statistical anomaly (laughs) as well, because uh, still haven't beat them yet. (laughs) We're going to talk about the 2017 game a little bit, but we'll ease into it. We don't need to start with, (laughs) with heartbreak. Um, I'm curious though, in terms of like Mike Bobo and, and, you know, 2015, obviously he's coming in first season, People are excited. I mean, he's the former offensive coordinator at Georgia. You know, what was your initial impression of him? Were you being recruited by the McElwain staff or what did it start with Bobo? How did that all work out? So I actually, I started, I was recruited by McElwain, offered by McElwain. Honestly, there was that huge panic of when Mac leaves to Florida, like, do I still have an offer here? Coach Bobo calls. He was like, hey, saw your tape. Definitely got some bite in you. He said, we would still love to have you at Colorado State. Uh, one of my visit committed all that fun stuff. So I definitely got to know Bobo before that transition. What was your impression of McElwain? Like what kind of sold you on? I mean, he was, he was a slick talker, man. Like he was smooth. <laughs> That's exactly like, what it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I probably heard from that dude three, four times a week and every single time he would hang up the phone the exact same way. I could just picture it. I, I didn't see him, but I could picture it. He would just kick back in his chair and he'd go, Hey, Izzy. Before you go to bed tonight, I want you to look up at your ceiling and just picture how good you're going to look in the green gold <laughs> every single time I hang up the phone. And I did it. I mean, that's not what sold me at CSU, but that definitely was the kicker. He's a charmer, man. I, oh, he is. I interned in the McElwain office for two years and he was just like one of, I was not important at all. You know what I mean? Like I'm a freshman <laughs> and sophomore in school. I'm basically like running errands for Tom Ellers, like doing whatever they want. They're like, we got a bunch uh-huh. of equipment. You got to move, like go do that. Any, anything I ever did was not correct the first time in Tom's opinion. Like It's Tom, yeah. Absolutely. He was a hard guy to work for. Loved the guy, <laughs> but he was a hard guy to work for. Um, but McElwain, man, like I wore a, a Peyton Manning jersey one time in the office. And so he just he called me Peyton for like the rest of my life. And I believe that. I can see that. I get it. I mean, that's easier to remember than like my real name. He's like, oh, yeah, that's the kid that wears the Peyton Manning jersey. Peyton. But I was a McElwain fan. It, it hurt when, when he left for Florida. The thing is, it did hurt. It hurt a lot. And once they put the Florida game on the schedule, like me, DC, some of the other guys that got recruited by Mac, it was like, oh, that was our game too. We get to meet our dad. Not our adoptive father, we get to meet our dad. And then he ends up (laughs) leaving Florida. So I've actually never even got the chance to meet the guy that offered me to CSU. I mean, that that Florida game was wild. It was so hot, like 100-something degrees. I mean, I'm trying to think back to the Florida game. That one... Kind of got our tails kicked in a little bit against Florida, but uh, 
Yeah, it's just hot, humid. Um, honestly, you know, people, I asked when I was on my Reddit AMA, like what your favorite place to play was and Florida doesn't rank up there, you know, as much as, as big as they are and everything they stand for. Florida was not one of my favorite places to play. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably would have helped if it would have been like a night game just so, cause it wouldn't have been so unbearably miserable. Like at least yeah. when you guys played Alabama, it was like a 6 PM start. It was still hot as hell that day and muggy, but it wasn't like a 1 PM kickoff. Yeah, that was that was my favorite away game by far is that Alabama game. Me I mean, yeah. just not only because the game itself was really good, we came, we put up a fight, but like that feeling, well, A, when you walk into the away locker room, I, it's either Dr. Loser or Dr. Sucks. Some doctor donated a bunch of money to get the locker room named after him. And it's like some like discriminatory thing against the away team. I thought that was hilarious. But then it doesn't matter who they're playing. You walk out to the stadium and it's like 111,000 people strong. Like it doesn't matter who they're playing. And you just look up and you're like, this is ridiculous. It doesn't even compare like Rocky Mountain Showdown. That kind of atmosphere just doesn't even compare. It is insane. Well, it was a fun game too. Like, you know, Alabama, they kind of came out hot. They obviously, I mean, they won the national championship that year. I think at one point you guys put more points on them than anybody they had faced like in the entire regular season. Um, I think it was we had the closest game with them in the regular season, except for maybe like one other team. Something like that, yeah. And I was like, hey, I'll take that. Like, I mean, that you talk about the season, like that's the note that we started on was a close game with Bama, and then everything happens from there. But like, that was a that was a tough game against Bama. Like, we were in it all the way until the fourth quarter. Did you feel at any point just intimidated, or were you guys comfortable out there? It was comfortable, man. I mean, when I first got here, you know, I coach bubble comes from the SEC and I asked him, I was like, what really is the difference between an Alabama and a CSU? And the way he put it is like, not really a lot, you know, up front, our best five versus their best five. It's going to be a marginal difference. He said, well, the difference is, is that like their best five goes four deep <laughs> and there's no <laughs> drop off from those players. And so it's like, when you have that in your mind and you go out there and you actually see it, like it makes sense. Like, Yes, some of their dudes freaks, gigantic, but at the same time, like we had Division One football players that are good at what they do as well. So there was no intimidation factor. Like I mean, that's why that were, fourth quarter. You're comes. really talented. It wasn't like you know you guys were a bottom of the barrel Mountain West team. You had multiple NFL players on the offense. Like Nick Stevens was doing his thing at that point. You know he was playing really well. Absolutely. You know, speaking of Nick, and I, I hate to bring it up, but it was so weird in 2016 at the beginning. And they're doing the whole like quarterback shuffling between him and Fatan and in hindsight, should they have just rocked with Nick? Like I know the CU game was bad, but <laughs> that was just a bad game overall. We we don't even have to talk about it other than that. It was just a brutal game. I, I really thought it was a shame that Nick had to do so much to show that you know he was the starter of that team. Yeah, and like weird. between his my freshman year when it was between him and uh Coleman Key. And sophomore year between Patone, Colin, and Nick, like, the dude could sling the ball. He was a great leader, great quarterback, and it really was a shame to see how long it took them to say, this is our guy that's going to lead us to the things. Because, like, the records he's broken, imagine he starts every game of his career, like, the flow he would get into. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, that was our quarterback. Everyone knew it was our quarterback. And that's not a knock on Fatone or a knock on Colin. Obviously, Colin doing phenomenally well. But, like, you know, Nick at the time, 
you know, it's what we needed. You know, Colin was going through things he was going through, but Nick Stevens, he was our guy. It's what it was. What was the deal with Coleman Key? Because he was pretty <laughs> hype coming in, and it seemed like he flamed out pretty quickly. Maybe, uh, maybe partying a little too hard and not not focusing on the playbook enough. You know, I don't know if it was a party thing. Like I said, that was my freshman year. I think she was gone the year after that. Yeah, but he, he I didn't mean, last long. dude, physically talented, rocket arm, extremely talented. Where obviously Nick is not that. Nick's not going to drop you a sixty-five yard bomb in stride, but where Nick excelled was his head game. Nick was really smart. Like every time he's in the game, like you are going to know exactly what to do. And I feel like that's where the biggest difference between Nick and Coleman were is that, yeah, Coleman had this rocket arm, but the way Nick could go out and lead an offense was just leagues above everyone else other than Colin Hill, who obviously was hurt at the time. I mean, Nick at the end of 2016 was dealing like he was absolutely on fire he had a stretch where his qbr was like over 130 for like five straight weeks he's completing like 80 percent of his passes he wasn't turning the ball over i mean he showed like he just he kind of needed his chance it was always weird to me i don't know if it was just i don't know if you know coaches sometimes like they want their guy and and colin was obviously mike bobo's guy like we i'm not sure there's a player on the roster that he liked half as much as Colin down the stretch, <laughs> at least the way he talked about him, like he talked about him like it was his kid or something. But the thing is, like Colin Hill, rightfully so, is that guy. That potential of Colin has always been there. Dude's been through three ACL surgeries since. Probably the biggest what um, if in modern CSU oh my history. Like if he just stays man. healthy. Unbelievable. Like unbelievable. But I, I think more so, um, and this was a whole transition between like the McElwain and Bobo period. And it's like kind of what I felt like they liked the flash and the flare and, you know, the guys that look good and make these gigantic explosive plays. That's not a Nick Stevens. That's not an Izzy. That's not, and it's not to say that they didn't love us. They loved us to death, but like, that's the look they were looking for was these like poster boy childs. And that's not what Nick Stevens was. Nick Stevens was a guy who's going to go in there and he's just going to get the job done. He's going to get it done. He's going to get it done. Well, that's how I feel about BC. Like, B.C. Johnson, he's not Richard Higgins. He's not Michael Gallup, but very clearly he's incredibly talented. I mean, he played everything for his high school team, was a track star, like clearly a great athlete, but you just like put your nose to the grindstone and get it done. And that's what I think the biggest difference between the Mac era and the Bobo era was, was McElwain had a lot of guys like that. A lot of guys like that. Like that was his culture where, you know, Bobo comes in and he's like, I want, big, strong, fast, athletic guys, and we're going to try and win with that. And I know we're going to get to it later, but like junior year was the perfect year because you had this perfect blend of both of those things. Like a little bit of Max guys, a little bit of Bobo's guys, but everyone was just bought in at the same length. And like, I don't know, it almost worked. (laughs) Call it almost worked. (laughs) Do you think, I mean, do you think that was kind of a fault of Bobo's maybe trying to play SEC football and when it's not necessarily that, you know, type of scenario, like if you're, you know, a Wyoming, a Colorado state, you're, you're not really going to consistently going to have a roster, you know, like a Georgia. So you kind of got to recruit to your strengths and get guys that are going to be a little bit grittier, you know, workhorse type guys. And yeah, like I, I've said it before and it's not a fault. I understand completely Bobo's vision for what it was, but I just don't think that's, who Fort Collins is, who CSU is. 
Like that's not what they're built on. You go back to the Sonny Lubick era. That's not what it's built on. And that's no fault of his. He did bring in phenomenal recruits. There's a lot of talent. I mean, and I'm not saying that these guys didn't work. Like Michael Gallup, one of the hardest guy working guys I've, I've been around, but just, you know, generally speaking, it kind of seemed like he was trying to do an SEC thing and it just, it wasn't the right culture fit. That's exactly what it is. Cause like in the mountain West, and I believe this, like you can win with talent in the SEC. You can win with talent in the ACC. Any of these power five conferences, you can win purely off talent. When you get to the Mountain West where, you know, you don't have a bunch of four-star, five-star recruits who can actually win you games, it comes down to really, and I, I mean this, like it's hard. It's like, who yeah. really wants this? There is like a rivalry between every single team in the Mountain West. And it's unspoken. Like everyone has a problem with each other. It's not just the big rivalry games. Like, that was what hurt me the most is like, even when we're playing New Mexico, we out talent New Mexico, but you could tell by the way those dudes played, like they wanted it badly. And I feel like that's kind of what we were lacking is that like, we did not want it bad enough sometimes. And I don't know if that's a recruiting thing or a culture thing, but like, that's what it felt like. It felt like every game was more important to the other team. We win seven games because we're just that much more talented than seven other teams. That's what it felt like. I mean, that would make sense just given the lack of success and, and, you know, rivalry games. And then also just, you know, like one possession type games. Like I think back to the Minnesota games in 2015, 2016, like both of those were extremely winnable games and they just kind of slipped through the cracks or, you know, Air Force, the shootout in 2016 at the Academy, like a great game. Sorry, that's a painful one. (laughs) That one hurts. (laughs) I will say, and I'm not a blame the refs guy, but there was a moment in that game where they called targeting on a hit on Nick Stevens, and then they reviewed it, and they were like, no targeting. But then it should have been a roughing the passer penalty, and it was just nothing. And he got absolutely lit up in the dome high. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, I I hate blaming refs. I'll never blame refs. I'm a firm believer in... I mean, you they gave up 49 to... points, so that there were a lot of there were a lot of moments where that game could have changed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like you have to be able to outplay the refs. Like in any given situation, you have to be able to go out and do that. That's what great teams can do. And we just we were never a great team. We were close a lot. We were close. You know, you talk about a lot of these one possession games. We are within his career, within my career, that four seasons will scratch my senior season. But those first three years, 10 to 12 to 15 plays away from talking about Mike Bobo in a completely different light. The number no, I mean, of it's one true you win any of those games lost, is completely different. CU my freshman year goes into overtime. Minnesota game my freshman year. Three missed field goals. A Sophomore year. Air Force. Like, like yep. absolutely insane. Like, he gets so much flack. And I get it. People want to see. But, like... I, I, I love Coach Bobo. I do think he's a great coach. I have never wanted to make it seem like Coach Bobo isn't a great coach. It didn't work out at CSU, but... If I mean, you it's clear he's a brilliant here, offensive mind. You watch... You look at the way that the teams would come out, his scripted drives, like, he, it would just be, like, chunk play, chunk play, chunk play. Oh, okay, that was 70 yards in four plays. Like, <laughs> he, he very much understood, like, what he was doing from an offensive standpoint. It just... From at least from the outside looking in, like having been around the McElwain staff and he was kind of a hard ass, you know, I just think it, it seemed like the, I don't know, like the discipline wasn't quite there. Like the talent was there, but just maybe lacking discipline and like attitude edge a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a big thing. I don't, at no point did I ever feel like we were a blue collar team. 
And that is what you need to be, like we said, in the Mountain West. And I do think that that mostly comes from the way that you recruit kids, though. You know, when you get kids at 18, 19, 20 years old, like you're not going to instill that in them at that point. You can do your best, but the kind of kids you recruit are like, you want them to be blue collar. You want them to come in, be able to work hard, be able to put their nose down. Like that fight comes from inside and whether it's a recruiting thing or an inability to establish culture, that, that is what we were missing that edge. And like, that was our thing was edge. And we never really had it. Uh. <laughs> I liked Bobo because that was the thing. For so, like, I defended him and took a lot of heat from it from the fans for multiple years. And I, when when they ultimately did move on, I think it was best for both sides, just because I think you know everybody was ready for a change of scenery, including him, because he you could tell he was just worn yeah. down that last year. But it, it, like like you said, they were just so close. So so many times, I was just like, I don't know. Like it seems like they're just like right on the edge, and they they've just kind of been unlucky. But after a certain point, it's just like, I don't know how many times I can say unlucky when it's, you know, 12, 14 yeah. losses in a row. It just, it just blows my mind, man. I don't even know how it happens. Because, like, the more I think about it, those close games, like, we always were on the bad side of it. There was no miracle at Canvas. There was no miracle at Hughes. Like, even my senior year, we couldn't even buy a break against Utah State. Like, Oh my God. That still makes me mad. That's the only (laughs) successful Hail Mary I've ever seen in person. And it got taken away. I I've never been more heartbroken in my life, man. After everything that we'd gone through my senior year, how awful you guys deserve that one. And it was going to be a big upset. Like that Utah state team was really good. They were top 25. I still think the DB pushed Preston out a little bit. It's very close. I could see but I at least think he altered the route enough to where you don't throw the flag. Exactly. If he doesn't touch Preston, I don't think Preston steps out of bounds. That, that's what it either. looks like to me. And it's like, did he force him out? No. But that contact and the separation that Preston needed to make after that contact, like, that's what takes him out of bounds. And at the end of the day, like, you can say, you know, Preston needs just to be a little bit more disciplined, know where he's at. But that's just not a call you take away, man. You don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's easy to say that from the sidelines. Like, the corners are playing physical. He's a big wide receiver, so they're going to try and get their hands on him. They're going to try and jam him. And he's trying to get to the end zone as fast as he can. So, like, he's running hard. Like, it's not like you're cutting in or something. It's it's just very – it's much easier said than done. Yo, he needs to be more disciplined. Okay. That was – that was uh, that was my most painful loss. Ah, God. I want to say that. I think it's got – I. Wyoming or Boise in 2017 were like heart wrenching. I was depressed after those games. Like I was too. I wasn't even painful. on the team. It was more depressing. Where like I wish I could have been there. Like I wished I could have finished that Wyoming game. It probably would have hurt more. I wish I could have been there to be there in that Boise game because all I can think about is you know. What if I could have done more? What, what if I yeah. could have done this? Like, what could I have done? It was depressing. Where the Utah State game, you go out there, you give it your all, man. Like, everything you have down to the last second. And after everything that's happened that season, just not a great senior season. Everything's been rough. Senior night, last game at Canvas. And it's like, it all just gets ripped away at once. Like, that hurt. That hurt. I got to ask, what was the deal with Mike Bobo wearing a t-shirt that game? Do you remember that? Um, that was his, it's not cold, you know, <laughs> it was definitely cold, but that's what I'm saying is like, he didn't want to hear, he didn't like to hear the, <laughs> the complaining and the moaning. Cause like, he's like, I'll wear a t-shirt. I don't care. It's going to happen. 
And um, I will say, I respect it. Although there were multiple instances where he got caught on camera, and it was very clear that he was freezing. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, he, it was, it was a mental it. fortitude. Yeah, it was a mental fortitude. And the thing is, like, that's why I don't blame Bobo because everything that he said was the right thing. Like, I would follow Bobo blindly because of that. He was not saying the wrong things. He was doing his best to try and and build this culture and get people to care more and get people to work harder. But at the end of the day, like I said, man, these are adults. You're dealing with adults. They're going to want to or not. Well, you can't babysit them 24 hours a day. Like you're on tight schedules. They, the coaches can have an eye on you a lot of the time, but you know, that there's, it's still, you know, free will. You've got to make the right decisions on your own. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's not even like away from the field stuff because everyone in every college town does away from the field stuff. I did away from the field stuff and no one's going to say, Izzy didn't love CSU. Izzy, I, I did. I worked my tail off day in and day out. Everyone does the off the field it's stuff. It's college, like it is. It's exactly. They, they got to have the experience. That's why I don't know. Some some fans. There have been instances where like players get in trouble for weed or something, and they're like, "Why don't you like talk about it or criticize more?" Because I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, I was like, I think it's silly they get tested for it in the first place. That's a whole like other you know ordeal. Because I'm just like, one, it's legal here. So if you're of age, I don't understand how it can yeah. be an issue there. But well, I don't know. But other than that, that I was just like, they're college. Like I got. I got an underage drinking ticket in college. Like I partied, like it happens. Everybody does. But like, there is a line that you're not like, you don't cross that line. And it's like, once you you start putting the team at a detriment, once it starts becoming a problem, then you have to look back and say, either this kid wasn't right or we need to get this hit help or whatever it is. But like, everyone does it. It's just about how much you're doing it. And how you're doing it responsibly. Like, I wasn't, when I say I was doing off the field stuff, I'm not talking six, seven nights a week. <laughs> no, I, that'd be tough with your workout schedule. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, you're college kids, you're gonna have fun. DraftKings is not only my favorite sports book, but also America's top rated sports book. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, pick any basketball team that's still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, golf, everything. You name it, they have it all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. All you got to do is bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. If they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. Again, that's with the promo code DNVR at sign up for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Wagers paid out in site credits. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to shout out the homies over at Solace Meds. That's right, we've partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations. 
one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. Solace has some absolutely banging deals this month. Here's a few to look forward to. 15% off all of Gold Shelf Concentrates, 20% off all of Wana Tinctures and Tarts. They've got 25% off all of Blues Brothers Joint Packs, 20% off all of Keep Cola products, 25% off Dixie products. The deals are endless. They're gonna be having some weekly pop-ups, uh, vendor pop-ups in June. Also, if you head into their Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. You're also gonna get 20% off your entire order. Again, just go to the Wheat Ridge location. With DNVR20, not only are you gonna get 20% off your order, but a free Solace Bar or King Cone. You can get all of these amazing deals. Go check everything out on their website, solacemeds.com. It's super convenient. You can order online, pick up at your convenience. Again, use the code DNVR20 at solacemeds.com. I don't want I'm not I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that, but I have heard that at least with certain players, and this is you know coming from guys that didn't play as much, so you kind of gotta take it with a grain of salt. But one of their complaints about Mike Bobo was that you know, he talked a big game that there were going to be like team rules, but those rules didn't necessarily apply to, we'll just say like some of the really good players. Here's the thing that's going to happen everywhere. They're going to play your best guys. Did that happen? Absolutely. But it's going to happen everywhere. They're going to have a little bit looser of a leash. Yeah. You know what? The thing is with those players are going to get a little bit extra attention to say, we are going to help you with this. And they're probably still going to keep messing up and it's probably still going to keep happening. But dude, that's happening everywhere. If you don't think that every single school has a little bit looser release for those guys who are going out there every Saturday, putting up 200, 300 yards, like you're crazy. Is it right? No. Could the loose lease have been a little bit tighter? Sure. But at the end of the day, like that's not a complaint because you go any college in the nation, that's going to happen. So you don't think it was a like a white a rampant an issue that was maybe like big enough to be like well maybe that was one of the culture issues like they needed to be tighter on the superstars. Um, it's tough now few... though because they, they'll just transfer out too. Like you can't just completely. You know, That's the like, thing. Hey, like like with a few together. exceptions of like extreme talent that just really didn't care that much. Not saying any names whatsoever. Like. The culture See, was know pretty strict. People like the culture was pretty strict. Like, yeah, I even as a team leader, even as someone that's been there four years, started for two years. Like, I even still had a strict lease. Like, I'm not. I can't walk into uh, a meeting or a workout late and not get reprimanded. Like, it's gonna happen. There are a few people, a few cases where, like, you know, they're like, we've tried so many times, we're not gonna do it. That's all right, as long as you know he's staying out of trouble, he's doing what he needs to do in school. Like. We're just going to have to deal with it. And like, that's not an issue to me because not everyone's, you know, built like I am or built like someone like BC where like, you know, we want to do the right things all the time. We want to, because it's like a culture thing. And yeah, man, I, I can't see that being a complaint. I get where it's frustrating for those kids that don't play and they come in and work out an extra hour. But I'm like, sorry, you were not born with some of the gifts that some of these other dudes were. Like that's sometimes, like, there's is. just natural talent. Like, it's, you know, you could work your butt off for every day of the week, but you're not going to be as good as that guy. You're just not. And it's like, I get why that upsets people. But at the end of the day, it's like, dude, that's life. Say, love me. No, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Like, trust me, I wish that like, cause I'm not like a freak gifted athlete in relativity to, you know, NFL athletes. Like I am obviously physically gifted, but like not even close to some of these, that Rashad body is the most physically gifted freak I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was pure muscle. Like he pure had muscle bodybuilder type biceps. He was Adrian Peterson reincarnated. I swear it. Like I'm not built like that. So yeah, I'm going to go in there and work, but some of these dudes really don't have to do that. I hate it because you know, there's always like the, the hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. But it's like, there's some people that actually get over that hump where they are that ridiculously talented. Well, it's like, it's like booby miles and Friday night lights. Like, you know, you can, you can work, you can try, but you're not going to be booby miles. Like exactly. it's, just, it's, it's what it is in life. And yeah, you know, if that kid gets special treatment because they're bringing in this much money to the college and this many statistics. And it's like, bro, that's life. You want that? You go and do it. You want that treatment? You perform like that. There you go. <laughs> not saying that it's right, but it is what it is. No, I, I mean, it's, you can look in any industry. industry, like, you know, if you're the best musician in the world, you're probably going to be allowed to do some crazy stuff that like other people, you know, don't normally get allowed to Like, it's just, it is what it is. That's how it works. There was definitely culture issues and definitely accountability issues, but I don't think that any of that really came from the coaching staff. Like how surprised were you then went to see some of the allegation stuff that came out last summer with people like accusing of like bullying and then that kind of stuff. Was that surprising to you at all? Um, coaching's complicated though. And I've said this a lot on the, my podcast, cause like w- what is hard coaching and works for some players, you know, will completely break down other players. And it's kind of that fine line of if you have the relationship or not. And it, it's hard, you know, from the outside, it's hard for me to be like, that's wrong. Cause I don't know what your relationship's <laughs> like. And it's like, you know, when all this stuff comes, starts coming out, like I start thinking back and I'm like, okay, some of this stuff did happen, but like the context that it's in and the relationship that it's in, like it does weigh a lot. And like, it like, matters a ton, a ton. And where it's like, Oh, like they're calling some of the players boy. And like, trust me, like if I'm down in the South and some random white guy calls me boy, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. But, but you can tell coach Bobo and he's from the South. He's calling me boy. He's calling a white kicker boy. He's calling literally everyone on the field boy. It's like, that's not an issue. And it's like, when it comes to hard coaching, I don't care. I don't take things personally. I could get where some people, you know, they get berated, they get yelled at, and they're like, oh, that's like bullying. I'm like, no, bro, that's just hard coaching. Um, I, I get it, but. Excuse my language, but you're going to get motherfucked a few times at the D1 level. Oh, like, absolutely. coaches do. Absolutely. I mean, my freshman year, you know, I, I run a fucking pitch route or a pitch in practice and it gets blown up and I just stop. And Coach Bubble was like, Izzy, this isn't fucking high school. Get the fuck off my field. He kicked me off the field. And I'm like, I don't take that personally. I'm like, I fucked up. I messed up. I did that. You know, I know not to do that next time. So yeah. we just get our ass back out there. Where some people, they don't like being motherfucked. They don't like being called names or whatever it may be. And obviously name calling can get a little extreme. Um, just testament to Coach Applewhite. My favorite coach in the entire coaching staff, still talk to him to this day. Phenomenal coach, phenomenal human being. He would make it very clear to us. He said, if I am saying something, if I'm saying you're an idiot, I'm not saying you are an idiot. I'm saying what you just did was idiotic. Yeah. Like that is his approach to it. And not every coach is like that. I mean, there's some 
some funny stuff that, that these coaches say that are just like sayings. And I know it's even a little bit harsher down in the South when it comes to, you know, tough love. And some people don't get that. Like, it's just what it is. It's it's a fine line. And I mean, like, I broke news on Larry Eustacey, the men's basketball coach who, and, you know, that guy did some bad stuff. Like, that went beyond coaching. But, you know, every every relationship with coaches is is complicated in my experience. Like, even the best guys, like, probably say some things that they regret every now and then. Does that mean that they're awful human beings? Probably not. Like, if they have, you know, established that relationship, and, you know, they make it clear. Like Applewhite said, he's like, I'm not actually calling you an idiot. Like this is what, what I mean. What you like, did was idiotic. <laughs> doing dumb stuff, and I'll cu- I'll quit. You know, making yeah. fun of you. Well, I mean, I don't know because, like, I, I do. When I think back, there are some things, and I'm like, that might have stepped over the line. Thinking back, like at the time, it was funny. It was all in jest. But thinking back, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that might have stepped over the line for some players. But the overall experience, I don't think you put them in the Eustacey category. I don't think that he's up there with you, Stacey. You're not even close. It's not even close. But I don't know. It is a fine line you walk, especially when it comes to tough love. And I personally never felt that, but also got to remember this, the experience of I played as a true freshman, played for four years straight. You know, maybe I have these, uh, I, whatever the glasses looking are. Looking through it, like, yeah, you're looking at it through a different lens. I mean, yeah. And it might look that's different. That's the thing about a locker room. So I, I do understand it. Yeah. But nobody, like, even if it's an objectively tremendous coach, like he might be a great guy, does nothing wrong in a locker room of that many people. There'll probably be at least a couple of people that are like, I just don't like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. And like I said, there are a few instances that I think back and I'm like, I can't believe that actually happened. But overall, like I never took it that way. I didn't think that, you know, they were these prick assholes that, just wanted to yell and berate just to be mean. Yeah. But I mean, like when you come to coach friend, coach friend was sink or swim. He's like, you are going to get coached hard or you are not going to get coached at all. That, that's just who he is. That's who he is. He, and I think he was the best offensive line coach we had. Me and him got into fights. Me and him got into it. <laughs> Still the best offensive line coach we ever had. That's the thing is like, I like tough love as long as the respect's there. You can say what you want as long as the respect's there. And I never felt disrespected. And I think that's the biggest component. You know what I mean? Like as long as, and that's the type of stuff that, you know, it's going to happen behind closed doors. going to happen in team meetings. It's going to happen in the locker room speeches. You know, that's, it's easy to stand on the sideline and see, you know, a guy chewing out a player and just being like, wow, what a bully. Like that guy looks like an absolute jerk. But, you know, if that same coach is then like hugging the guy in the locker room and be like, you know, I love you. Like, you know, we're going to keep working through it. Like you just got to play better always i mean we're grown men you get out their testosterone's flowing like shit yeah. is said you know you listen to the message not the tone you know because when they're saying these things like coach friend never walked up to him and was like easy you're a fucking dumbass that never happened <laughs> like he would yell and he would say mean things but it always came with the message of what he wanted me to know and i'm just like okay i'm just gonna take that ignore what else he said i'm gonna go play my game like, that's all you can do because it is instructive it's happen. just it is. It's, a, it's it different, is. you know, coaches, especially football coaches from the South, like SEC, you know, it's, it's just a different intensity. And some people don't like it. And some people prefer to get, you know, patted on the butt. And I don't like, I would not want to walk all over a coach. That doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> 
Well, it's, like uh, you, you need the coach to be a leader, right? Like he's kind of he kind of has to have that like alpha presence to an extent, especially in like a testosterone driven like contact sport like football. You know, it's not absolutely soft pit, and it's not like a wreck softball or you know intramurals or something. It's it's intense. It matters. I mean, that my senior year, you probably could have called me a bully. Like some of the things that I said my my senior year on the field, like I was mean because I felt like you know. They, some of the people were not getting that. Like we were so soft my senior year. We were so incredibly soft my senior year that I felt like I had to get in the huddle and be mean because like I was, I was sick of it, dude. I, I was so sick of how soft we were as a team mentally, physically. Like I said some things that like probably did hurt some people, but I understand that the coaches are because I didn't care if I was hurting your feelings. I want to go out there and play, man. Yeah. This is the, we were getting embarrassed my senior year. Like, it was like, rough here. That, it was rough, man. Yeah. It was rough. And like, do I want to go out and be the asshole? No, but I'm going to because like, I'm sick of it. I hate losing games. I hated how senior year went. And when you go out there and you just kind of see guys that don't care, it is frustrating. It really is. So, I mean, you could go ask some of the guys that I played with. I was an asshole my senior year at times, like genuinely, like not nice. And some of it wasn't even constructed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we frustration can get the best of all of us, especially when you spend as much time together as you do in like a team setting. Like sometimes, you know, things are gonna get heated. You know, like we see it all the time in sports. Like frustration, it can just boil over. I mean, there's probably a thousand clips of me chewing out Wyatt Ryan on the sideline over the years. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely I'll never forget uh New Mexico senior year. Uh what oh, might not have been Wyatt. Cake. It was we were on like the eight-yard line. Yeah. And, shank a kick and I go on the sideline. I'm like, where is the kicker? I'm going to kill him. That was actually my quote. And like, he did I had, redeem himself at least. He did. He did. I forgot. Someone actually had to like pull me back because like I was seeing red. I was so mad. Like I was so angry and I'm not an angry person, but for whatever reason, man, special teams has always just gotten under my skin. <laughs> well, you would have not enjoyed being on CSU this past season, man. I've, they had like Ugh. four punts blocked. I've never seen Unreal. anything like it. Oh. All right, but let's yeah. let's talk about 2017. I've I've been pushing Oy. it off because it's such a it just you start the year with so much hope. You know, you've got the on-campus stadium. Everybody's excited, you know, you've got even the CU game, like as frustrating as it was. I feel like you guys outplayed them. I think most people feel that way that watch it. Even CU fans were like, I've never seen three offensive pass interference called in my life, especially when they were like super ticky tacky. I mean, here's the thing. I think we outplayed pretty much every single team that year, except for Air Force. Air Force came in into our house, kicked our ass. I think that was the game that they punted like once the entire game. Like they came in, absolutely stomped us. I think we outplayed Wyoming. I think we outplayed CU. I think we outplayed Boise. Obviously, didn't outplay Alabama. Uh, who was our other loss that year? Oh, let me see. Bama, CU, Boise, Wyoming, Air Force. Oh, and Marshall. And Marshall, we did, yeah. We did, we, did not, we did not outplay Marshall, but that's a whole other thing in and of itself. Did you guys um, even want to be at that game, though? Because no. it, it, it felt like at that point, it was just like, no. it was championship or bust, and you guys got, you closed out the year with a home win, but just going into the, the bowl, like it just didn't feel like anybody wanted to be there. That Boise State, Wyoming two weeks 
genuinely ruined that season. It ruined that program within coach Mike Bobo. Like, I don't think like it was bad, man. Nobody wanted to be there because everyone felt like we were this close to being in a mountain West championship, going to a Vegas bowl, going to this bowl. Nobody wanted to be at that bowl game. Like genuinely, it was so sad and disappointing. You could tell by the way that we were playing that no one wanted to be there. It was, it was unfortunate, but it's what it was. And I mean, we kind of talked about that in leadership meetings the next year where it's like, you know, we have to take it one week at a time because if it's like last year and our whole entire year, it's like, we want to win the mountain West. That is our only goal. That is our only focus. The second that doesn't happen, like the, the care is gone. It doesn't matter at that point anymore. Like, yeah, obviously we're going to go close out at home against San Jose state and they weren't any good that year. But when it came to the bowl game, man, they were just ready to go. They're ready for the season to be over. You got your heart taken out two weeks in a row. Like it's rough. It was rough. It was rough for sure. Did you feel any of that in the other bowl games? Like your freshman year, you guys, you close out with four wins, you know, four conference wins in a row. You have that exciting game against Fresno, which I think you had like 150 rush yards in it. Hansley houses a couple of kicks. Got a lot of mojo going, but it's kind of hard to get excited about facing a conference team in the Arizona Bowl, like just being real. I don't think that anyone ever cared for bowl games outside of bowl gifts and the experience because it just never felt like it mattered. It it is. I get it. I do get it, but. Just but I feel like, like that's not what the fans want to hear, but it's, it's natural. Like it is natural. I mean, you have these teams, these three teams that my freshman, junior, sophomore and junior year, three very talented teams that are a couple games away, a couple plays away from nine wins each season. And then, you know, freshman year we go out and honestly that one, I would say we probably cared the most because there was a lot of seniors on that team that like you had to care. Like, those were guys that were like, you are going to care because this is the culture that we have here. And obviously, honestly, that team, I think, underperformed at seven and six. It tremendously I thought talented. so, too. It was a veteran defense. You had KPL and Trent Matthews. You had Richard coming back. Like, there were a lot of pieces to like on that offense. And, you know, I just think a brand know, new coach. Dalen, you, <laughs> Jason Oden, like, it's just a brand new coach is what it was. And that's why the 2017 year is so gut-wrenching because you take everything that was good about that freshman year and you give experience. You know, obviously we did lose some of our veterans between the Trents and the KPs, but then you had Deontay Clyburn, you had Josh Watson, you had Jordan Fogle, you had Jamal Hicks. You had all these dudes that really did love CSU, that really did care on the defensive end. You had, I would say, probably one of the top five lines in CSU history on offense. That's a really good line, yeah. Michael Gallup, BC Johnson, uh, Warren Jackson, Every Dietrich. single Dietrich, every single piece was there. You know, you have, you have two running backs that finish top 10 yards, top 10 touchdowns in CSU history. You have a quarterback that's breaking all these records. All of the pieces were there. And I think that's what makes that season hurt the most is because the culture, I think, was there more than any year that it's been while I was there. You know, it, everyone was so close to buying in. We win that Wyoming game. Coach Bobo was going down as next goddamn Sonny Lubick. Like, I swear to you. <laughs> you win that Wyoming game, we go the next week, win, by, uh, win Boise, nine wins, go play a Mountain West championship, maybe 10 wins, 11 wins. Coach Bobo is getting praise in the streets of Fort Collins right now. And the thing is, I still think that 
after that season, let's say we win the Mountain West, he does get swooped by an SEC school. And I think that he still goes. Not that he didn't love CSU, but like that's where the man belongs. That's where his heart is. Like it still would have all happened, but you'd be talking more in the sense of McElwain right now than this travesty failure of a coach because those last two seasons really buried the guy. And that 2017 season was make or break for the program. And I'm, I'm hoping that Coach Adesio can come in and turn it around. I, I really do. What was the sense in the locker room in that Boise State game? Because they get up 28-3. They're still up like 35-17 at halftime. I mean, you're at 14 with two minutes left. It, it's really hard. It's really hard to go through it when you like really look at like what that lead was in that game. But was there, did you sense tightness? Like, or, I mean, you still had an 18 point lead at half. Dude. Oh my God. Well, first of all, I was off half a purpose at that game. That was a week after I broke my collarbone. <laughs> but anyways, that was the most, that was the most exciting game ever. And you know, it's like, I think we're, le- how many points were we up by in the fourth quarter? Start of the fourth quarter. Still I think we were still, like 21, I think. Yeah, it was like a three possession game still. Yeah. And uh, one of our trainers, she actually had just come from Boise and she was like, oh, giving us all this crap all week. And we get to the fourth quarter and I walk over. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, can we start celebrating yet? And she's like, no, it's Boise. You can't start celebrating. And I was like, okay, you're right. You know, we got to finish this game. 10, 12 minutes pass and it's still a two possession game. And I look at her and she like looks at me and smiles. She's like, okay, we can start celebrating now. And then everything went downhill and I, it was unbelievable. Like just completely in shock. And, you know, you get to the overtime. I, I think Rashad goes out there and he fumbles on an overtime drive. Absolutely broke me. Like it broke me in the sense of like, I, that, that was supposed to be me out there. I, at that point had never fumbled in my CSU career and it just hurt. It hurt me for body because, you know, I think he was a sophomore at the time and he has to go, he has to have all that pressure, all that weight. And I mean, he probably still thinks about it to this day. Like it it was painful because like we did get excited with about three minutes left. Me and the trainers, we were stoked. Like it was actually happening. CSU finally beats Boise state. We win that game. We still go to the mountain West championship after fumbling Wyoming. Like it was almost like unreal. It was just that onside kick when they recovered the onside kick. I was like, Oh my God, they're actually going to lose this game. And that was before they even tied in, went to overtime, but you could just, yeah. you, know, you can feel it in sports. Sometimes when a team blows something big and it's like, you're up 30 and then you're up 20 and then they're up eight. And it's like, this team's going to lose. And I, I just felt like that game was lost before overtime even happened. It but was, you can't put it on body at all. Oh no, not at all. I'm and you're not, and I'm not saying that you are. No. I mean like the fans, like they, <laughs> There was so much that went wrong in that game. It was 45 minutes of just straight heart in the bottom of your stomach, jaw dropped that you, Murphy's Law, anything that can happen will happen. And it was in full effect that night till two in the morning. And like, dude, it was unbelievable. Like, and I think that it perfectly sums up like Coach Bobo's career at CSU. And it was a lot of- so close. So close. Like, I will never say that Mike Bo was a bad coach. I, I do think that he knows how to run a program. Some recruiting things that like, I don't agree with the type of people that we recruit. Like I am very much, like I said, blue collar. Uh, when I first came here, all the guys that, you know, were my mentors and leaders were a lot of blue collar guys that loved CSU. 
he recruited a lot of talent that I didn't feel loved Fort Collins the way that a lot of us love Fort Collins. I think that's important though, because, you know, obviously you, if you can land a guy like Michael Gallup, you want to, but I mean, Gallup was there because of injury, like just being honest, like he would have been at a bigger school if he didn't get hurt and then have to go, you know, to, to community college. But I just think that that passion and loving CSU, it needs to matter. Like, yes, you want to get talented guys, but you also don't want guys that are like, I guess I'll go to CSU because LSU didn't offer me. Exactly. And like, I don't know. I would love to have four BC Johnsons. Me too, man. Like, like dudes, you're going to win a lot of games with those guys. You you would, you wouldn't. That's the thing is like, you know, when you get to the sec, when you get to um, like some of these power five, like you get guys that are, incredible football players that love the game, incredible athletes, and that want to be there because they love that place. You're going to get all three of those things where like when you get to the Mountain West, like you kind of got to choose two. You're not going to find these three-star recruits are going to have all three of these things. I love football. I love Fort Collins. I'm not the most physically talented person in the world. That was the two that they got with me. That's the I mean, you were a successful D1 running back. I mean, it's it's good to look at it realistically, though. BC would tell you the same thing. Like, I'm not Michael Gallup. Exactly. But I'm a dang good college football player. BC doing pretty damn good in the NFL as well. <laughs> no, yeah. Honestly, like, get him out of Minnesota because he needs a little bit more time on the field because he's going to produce. I know it was a great spot for him to start. Kubiak yeah. connection. Like, I, he played well for Thielen, but um, it kills me, like, when they – bring in other receivers. I'm just like, just get BC on the field. You already got him, but that's a whole side rant. BC is going to do his thing and he's going to put his head down. He's going to work. He's going to show everything that he needs. The kid's going to be fine no matter where he's at. Like that's the kind of football player that he is. And, you know, it's just hard because I mean, with some guys, I feel like you're only getting one. You're only getting athletic. It's guys that are just athletic that might not even like football or the school, but they're just freak athletes. You are not going to win the mountain West with those kind of players. It's not going to happen because when it comes to the mountain West, it's a very unique brand of football. It is dirty and it is rough and it is grimy. That is what mountain West football is. It is not showboaty like the pac 12. It's, it's not these other conferences. And I feel like when you lose that, that is the teams that lose in the mountain West. We will wrap up the interview with Izzy in just a second here. But before we do, I got to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. If you're an NBA fan like I am, you're probably feeling just heartbroken about what happened to Giannis. Hopefully, you know, nothing serious when it comes to the knee and and structural damage. But it did not look good. You know, for a second, I thought he was going to try and come back into the game. And I was like, my God, man, don't do it. Don't let adrenaline, you know, have you make a bad decision. But luckily, they... They kept him off the floor. Anyways, hopefully he is okay. The, uh, the NBA championship, it's, it's coming up here soon right now. The Phoenix Suns are the betting favorite at minus 155. That's really good value there, but I'm rolling with the Atlanta Hawks at plus 550. I just think it's the best value of the remaining teams. You can also get the Clippers at plus 650 if you believe in them to make a comeback. But I'm rocking with Herder, Trey Young, Bogdanovich, my guy Gallo. I'd love to see Gallo get a ring. And at plus 550, that's just the best value. You can still get the Bucks at 400, which is not bad, especially with, you know, Middleton. But without Giannis, I just, I don't think they have the firepower. So I'm rocking with Atlanta. That's my DraftKings pick of the week. We're all in on the Hawks. (laughs) 
who is like the the dirtiest team consistently in your experience in the Mountain West? Who are or you like know, dirtiest down teams, in the dirt? Ones? Just like shipping? guys that are probably gonna take it a little past the whistle. Not necessarily super bad, but like just consistently, you know, intense. Uh, honestly, I would probably say dude, New Mexico has a vendetta against us. I swear. I mean, you Those lose ten dudes. straight times. You know, like, <laughs> you know, the coaches are like playing highlights, and they play the hardest against us that of any team. Like you can just tell how badly. That's why they hang in these games that they probably they are going to beat CSU eventually, just on pure heart. Like it, absolutely, because- absolutely. Just like we will eventually, hopefully, beat Boise. <laughs> <laughs> It came close a couple times. I mean, 2016 and 2017 were both really close games. Like 2016 was a little different because you have the late, the late comeback and yeah, Hayden Hunt doing his thing. That was crazy. But um, let's see. Definitely New Mexico to answer your question. Um, Air Force is more like dirty than like you know. That's what the linemen all say. They all say they're like. Whenever I talk to Jake Bennett or any of these guys, they're like. Man, like, I hate CU, but I fucking hate Air Force. Absolutely. Like, uh, they yes. like it though. Yeah, like, you I'll can say tell yeah. Air Force embraces that. Like, they like that, you know, they're like, you're the big state university and we still kick your ass. Like, they, oh, they like to be, they like to be pricks, man. It's who they are. It's okay. Like, all the respect for what they do, you know, off the field and all that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's all right to say it. We're, we're rivals. I, I was, I think. The one thing is you brought him up. The one thing that doesn't get enough credit, you know, while in my career, that offensive line under coach friend was phenomenal. Like they were so damn good. The best guys, like they were all great people. Assholes. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> Jake Bennett is still an asshole. Love him to death, but he's still an asshole. <laughs> Absolutely. But like they were the right kind of assholes. They yeah. loved Fort Collins or like get down and dirty. I, absolutely. I would die for any of them to this day. And they, they did not get enough credit. I did not give them a, I love them. I did not give them enough credit because, you know, you come the next year and that line is completely different. It is a night and day difference between, you know, the three years that I spent with the Jake Bennett's, the Moxley's, the Zach Goldich's, like those guys were phenomenal at what they did. They were everything that embodied what I wish CSU football still embodied. I love those guys to death. If our whole football team had their mentality, we would have won 10, 12 games every single year because we had that talent, just not their mindset. Those were guys that wanted, genuinely wanted to play for CSU, you know? Like, they took pride in it. Absolutely. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> Coach Friend also a phenomenal coach. No, really awesome. good. Really Scary good. dude, but really good coach. <laughs> He's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. Me and him butted heads so many times. I have nothing but love for Coach. I have nothing but love for that entire staff. Don't get me wrong. I know it was like a really big thing when I did the, the Reddit thing. And I love CSU. I love that coaching staff. I love Fort Collins. I never wanted that to be the message, anything against those guys. But there was a culture problem. And it was just me being honest. Well, being honest and critical doesn't mean that you don't love CSU. You know, like people come at me with that. I'm like, I very clearly love CSU. I graduated. I stayed in Fort Collins for a half decade. I still create content on CSU every day. Like, it's my thing. But I'm not going to lie to you either and be like, you know, this is happening. There's there's a line. I think there were plenty of guys. It would have been really easy in the Bobo era for me to just be like, Bobo teams suck because you're not winning rivalry games. It's like, well, it's not that simple. 
It's a fine balance. It just, I just don't think that it was a fit. I think at the end of the day, it just wasn't the right fit. And it's nothing against Bobo. It's nothing against any guys that I played with. He's going to succeed in his second stint as a head coach. I'm really like He's going to get hired by some school in the South and rattle off a couple of conference championships and then probably get an SEC job and we'll see what happens there. (laughs) He's going to do well because he's a great guy and he's a great coach and he knows how to surround himself with a good staff as well. That's what's really important is he knows the guys he needs to have around him to succeed. Um, because you can have a great coach, but if that coach doesn't have a great staff, it's not going to matter. I mean, Brian Harson coming from Boise, respected him so much he poached him and made him his offensive coordinator at Auburn. <laughs> so, like, I mean, Harson, he said it, like, put it on record. He was like, I thought Mike Bobo's teams were the hardest teams to face in the Mountain West. Obviously, he went four zero against them, but he's like, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like that. I mean, even even my senior year, we got blown out, but it's as bad hard, as we though. were, as bad as we were we still did well offensively. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we didn't put enough time into defense and can never find the right defensive coordinator fit, but Bobo's offenses always click. They're always going to produce and they're always going to do well. And that's what you can guarantee at a coach Mike Bobo. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I probably already have, but <laughs> that, uh, how, how different do things go in 2018 if Colin is healthy from the start? I mean, we already said the line wasn't as good, so it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to make a difference. And KJ, not, none, none at all? I Two great quarterbacks. KJ is doing his thing in Germany right now. Colin, obviously, is getting his stint with the Bengals. And I'm not even trying to trash KJ because he put up – I mean, he owns the, the single most passing yards in a game in CSU football history. He put up massive Absolutely. numbers. And the thing is, that's why I'm saying it's – I think we were – I think we were that bad up front and you never want to see a running back blaming the lineman, but that was the most disheartening thing from my senior year is that it felt like dudes just did not care. And when I say that I was me, I was, when it got late in that season, I was mean because I was tired of seeing it. You know, when I look into the huddle and I see Jake Bennett's face, Moxley, Zach Goldich, calendar, some of these dudes, Knox, like, you can see that if things are not going well, they're pissed off, they're hungry, they want yeah. things to go well. My senior year, I went in that huddle. People look scared, dude. They look scared. They look like they did not want to be there. Our starting did look like they did not want to be there. This does not include Barry Wesley, who I love very much. I dude, love I've known Barry. Barry, Barry played youth football with my brother. I've known Barry <laughs> since he was in literally the first grade. And I've, I've had this exact conversation with him. I was like, the fact that you've become the player you've become is a massive testament to you and your work ethic because he's not, you know, the most freakishly athletic, like, gifted guy. He's not just a, you know, 6'8", you know, 320. Yeah. Like, he had to work for everything. But I was like, going back to, like, 2018, 19, you know, there's a reason that he was a, a walk-on coming out of high school. It's like, the fact that he was the best offensive lineman as, like, a redshirt freshman former walk-on shows you, like, they had no depth. And it, was, it wasn't it was even close. That's the thing. Like, Barry yeah. was far and above. He was their the best tackle and the best guard. And it was like, well, we can put him at one of these, and I guess we'll figure out the other. You have spots. to. And the thing is, that's why I don't think that having Colin is going to matter that much because there was no protection for Colin. And you go back and watch the tape. 
KJ, KJ got murdered a couple running of times, for his man. life, like yeah. half of the plays. And it's like, I would not put the whole season on the line. I would never, ever do that. Cause at the end of the day, you know, you can change things X's and O's to make up for that. You know, I can change things in running back. KJ can change things as a passer. There's a lot of things that can change, but switching out Colin and KJ, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference because we were that poor up front. And I really do believe that. And I hate saying that as a running back because I love my linemen. I do. Like it was my big thing when I was in college. Like I want to pick my linemen up after touchdowns because they never get the limelight. They never get that love. So like, that was my thing. I loved doing that for them. And it would, it wouldn't have made a difference, man, dude. I, did you guys know that going in though? Like 2017, 2016, you feel pretty good going into those seasons, but 2018, did you just know like (laughs) these dudes aren't it? Um, yeah, no, you know, you go through the whole off season. Like I think the team itself was close up until a certain point. And, you know, you start tolling up those losses, you know, all the talk about Bobo leaving and all these things going on around you start to come. How hard was that the by team. the way, with like all that going around and people being like, fire, you know, they, his, the coach needs to be fired. Like, and you guys are close, you know? I mean, the thing is, I get where the community is coming from. And here's the thing. Everyone knew what was happening, whether it was that year or the next year, like you knew it was what coming. Was going. It was coming yeah. eventually. And it kind of hurt me because like as strong as Bobo is, like, you know, that has to mentally wear on the dude. Like, when he's like going through the health stuff and still coaching. And it was just like, there were a couple times watching him on the sideline where he just looks like frail and exhausted. And I was just like, genuinely worried for him just as a human being like human being putting all football side of stuff it's like you know he's got kids like it's just like this isn't worth it man it was it was definitely tough to to see him can you hear me still yep it was definitely tough to see him go through what he was going through because like i said man at the end of the day he's a great dude great person great guy and it really was just unfortunate. Like, I wish, I wish things could have gone better for him because he genuinely deserved to have things go better for him. I was rooting for him, man. He was nice. Like, you know, he was always polite to me. Like, he didn't have to be. I was a student reporter at the Collegian, but he's like, you're here every day. Like, you know, you, you work hard, then I'll, you know, give you the time of day. And I just, I appreciated that. You know, not, not all coaches are like that. The, the last thing I just want to ask you about before I, I let you go here, obviously there's a lot of stuff changing in terms of like the name image likeness, you know, athletes going to have an opportunity. You're a big video game streamer. Is it kind of frustrating knowing that like just a couple, if this would have changed just like five years ago, you could have been like making a little money on these streams and stuff. Dude, I, what hurts me the most when you're a kid and you're playing sports, you obviously play the sports games growing up. Oh, yeah. And, like, all I ever wanted was to just see myself, not have to make my own character. You know, even if, you know, we're a CSU, I'm an 81 overall, not great, not terrible. Like, just to be able to play as yourself, created by EA Sports. And now all this stuff coming back around, I'm like, man, just missed it by a few years. But, I mean, I was... Even if you never made a dollar, like, most players I asked are like, I would, I don't care. I just wanted to be in the game. It's not like you would have made big money on it anyways, you know, unless you're on the cover or something. It would not have mattered to me whether you gave me a penny or a thousand dollars. I think just having the game, and I think that's what everyone was missing. It's just how much that game 
meant to the players. And I know that like, it's not fair to the players. And I know there's players that are going to fight for that, but like, dude, it wouldn't have mattered to me. Like I would have loved to play as myself on NCAA 14 or 15 through 18, whatever it is. I mean, I would have bought every game. Like as soon as it comes back, I'm going to buy, I know there, I spent like $80 to get a copy of NCAA 14 on my 360 during the pandemic, just because I was like, I'm going to be home all the time. I might as well have some fun. Dude, I'm saying like, they just got to do it, right? They take all, what is it, 126 D1 teams? Yeah. You just figure you, it out. No, listen, you take the best player from the last four years, all the years that we're going to take the best player, and you make a special cover just for that school, and you just get a special order so you don't make too many of them. Like, I think that would be awesome. That would be so That'd be fun. sick. Could you imagine having, like, a Michael Gallup NCAA 2022 copy? Or like some other school gets there. Any of yeah, like you know, Josh Allen, Hollywood Higgins, Josh Allen in Wyoming, like like that would be so fun to do. Just to say, hey, you know, you know, we know you miss your favorite players, so we're gonna do this for you. But who is your go-to team to play with growing up? I okay, I was a USC fan growing up. I'm from California. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. My brother was a West Virginia fan, so it was just always USC versus West Virginia. Um, Noel Devine was like this random player at West Virginia who had the craziest college highlight or high school highlight tapes. And so that's all my brother would do. He was fast as hell and he would just run circles <laughs> around me. But yeah, always SC versus West Virginia. That was the teams. Is Reggie Bush your goat then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Dude, mean, I've never college. Reggie yeah. Bush did things on a on a field that like you just don't see like hurdle a dude and not even lose stride when he lands. Like what the hell? It is crazy. The difference between college and professional football, because like the difference in his careers, but as far as college football goes, that dude was insane. Like absolutely insane. Don't think you'll ever see anything like genuinely, but there was a a brief period in 2004 where I rooted against him because a young CSU fan uh, Justin Michael had to watch CSU lose 49 to zero to USC on national television. It was a Saturday night ABC game and they lost 49 to zero. It should have been worse, to be honest. Like in hindsight, knowing what I know now, like it, it probably should have been even worse than that just because that USC team is like one of the best college teams ever. But okay, that's what I was going to say. Like that's what blows my mind is that like A, how far CSU has come and B, how good that USC team was. Cause you know, we go and play the national champions. We lose by 17 where 49 to zero is an ass whooping. Like you don't see that. It was like the third often. stringers by like, you know, a couple minutes left in the third quarters. Like, All right. Can we get a running clock here? Like, come on yeah. now. I think that was like my biggest thing going to the Alabama game was like, I wanted Nick Saban to have to play his starters for majority of that game. Like I wanted him to have to play his starters. You guys scored, and you scored late. It was that Warren Jackson touchdown in the second of the game, and you go for two, and you could tell Saban put the starters back in after that. You could tell it pissed him <laughs> off. It cracks me up to this day. But that's the thing. Like, you never – there's no such thing as a good loss, but that was a fun one. Like, you could tell you just got under Nick Saban's skin just a little bit because we shouldn't have been in that game. You know, Corden never shouldn't have hung in that game. What were we, 35-point underdogs going into it? Like – that was fun, man. It was fun. That was one of my favorite memories is being able to do that. It was just, yeah, it was just a good time. Like the Alabama, I mean, granted, I imagine it's a different environment altogether when it's like Alabama, Auburn or something like that. But the fans were really cool to me, like walking around and stuff. It was just, it was neat. But Well, that's, that's they, also the funny thing. The fans are really nice because they know you're going to, they're going to yeah, take yeah, your yeah, ass. They, they just know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. 
that's how CSU fans used to feel about FCS teams, but that uh, that changed. We don't gotta go there. We don't even know to talk about that one because that season that was that just jersey. Rough. Started the train in that jersey right there. <laughs> Dude, I was Rough upset one. a little bit after that one. I was like, I'll take like I'll defend them, but I was like, I can't believe they blew the Aggie winning streak against an FCS team. That yeah. A good FCS team. Like, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't matter, man. No, it I know. <laughs> if an FCS team lost to a D2 team, they're not gonna go, oh, it was a good D2 team. No, they're embarrassed. It's a good it was one. embarrassing, bro. It was embarrassing. Like that was my first time in my career. I felt embarrassed. Like it, it was rough. Not not they happy. Punched, they they came out and punched you in the mouth a little bit. Not oh, you specifically. You know what I mean? Just ass, like the team. Dude. Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hate to end on on that note. But <laughs> thank you for for coming on. And you know, this was a blast. It's great to talk with you. You know, yeah, hopefully we can get man. you Thanks on in the me. future. And hopefully CSU will turn things around here because. Uh, we need we need a little bit to brag about. Like I have friends at CU, I have friends at Wyoming, and I'm like, at least finally CSU won a border war again, so I could you know brag right. a little bit. I mean, I'm excited for Adazio. You know, I, I don't know much about him. I haven't personally gotten the chance to speak with him, but you know, very if, old school. He's the guy that they chose for the job. I'm hoping that we can get this right. He can turn this program around, and you know, hopefully, it's a guy that might stick around. That that's what I hope. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I love this school, and I do too, I man. We're proud to be no matter what. Like, always, that's, we're, we're always, always going to be repping the Rams. But Izzy, thank I'm, you for doing this. Of course, man. It was genuinely a blast, man. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.